This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. They say it is not a blueprint for cuts, but a blueprint for the path forward. The long-awaited line-by-line audit of the previous Ontario government's books is out. And what we are seeing is a far cry from yesterday when Premier Doug Ford accused the Liberals of, quote, the worst cover-up in Ontario's history. What we heard today was in the language of accounting. And it focuses on the big picture and some big numbers, with nothing, at least so far, to back up Ford's accusations that Liberals got rich on the taxpayer's dime. So to give you an idea of what we're talking about, Treasury Board Secretary Peter Bethlen Foley's main complaint was that Liberal spending outpaced growth. And if the Liberals had held those expenditures to population growth, the government of Ontario would have spent $331 billion less over 15 years, and that is an amount almost identical to the current debt of $338 billion. Those are big numbers to wrap your head around. The spending hikes over their mandates comes to $2,226 for every Ontarian in today's dollars. So is this a case of the political dimension being very different from the financial exercise? I'd like to hear from you. Does this get you all riled up yesterday when we heard about this select committee and we heard what Doug Ford had to say. Uh, people were were really uh, into it, I would say, one way or another. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And we will be checking in with a couple of MPPs from the opposition benches, but in the meantime, we have Jason Lee who is a conservative strategist, president at Enterprise. And we also have Kim Wright, who is vice president of public affairs at HK Strategies, and she is on the left side of the spectrum. Uh, so let's start with uh, Jason. What do you make of this? Well, they're, uh, they're doing their best to bury the Liberals, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, the Liberals, one of their weakest points was clearly, um, I would say, management of public resources, and people had lost a little confidence in their management ability. And uh, they're clearly uh, doing everything they can to prove that it was the case and to set the, to set the stage, I think, for modernizing government and doing some of the things that they want to do. Um, you know, they're not going to stop. That much is clear. You know, I, was, I, I look back. It, it, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Uh, you know, and the Liberals, after in 2000, and three after they defeated Premier Eves, uh, hired the former uh, auditor, Eric Peters, to do an, a line-by-line account, came out, said there was a, a $5 billion deficit instead of, a, instead of a balanced budget and used it as, a, uh, as, a, uh, as the precursor to hiking taxes on, uh, on, on most Ontarians and, and not balancing the budget. So the more things change, the more things stay the same. Politics is, uh, doesn't surprise all the time. You know? Okay, well, you know, we know that. 
We expected that. Yeah. The number, you know, wasn't hugely out of line, given that the Auditor General said the deficit was really $12 billion. But uh, I guess I was surprised by what looked to were having a special committee. It's the worst cover-up in history. And, and I don't know, it just seems odd to me. I mean, the Liberals were defeated pretty soundly. Why all of this? Well, what do you make of it, Kim? Well, never let the accountants uh, steal your thunder of good uh, political rhetoric. But look, the the premier was elected uh, to make some changes to look at efficiencies because people felt that they weren't getting a value for their tax dollars. They were seeing, uh, as Andrea Horvath frequently pointed out during the campaign, they were seeing their schools crumble. We are still seeing schools crumbling. Uh, we are aren't uh, living through uh, you know hallway medicine. People are people's experience with what governments are doing is very different than what was being put out in press releases by the former government. And I think there was an appetite for change. There was absolutely 80% of Ontarians wanted change on this. What that change looks like, how that change is managed going forward is really going to be the test of beyond rhetoric, but what will be the reality when we start to look at these programs uh, that uh, Minister Beth Foley and the Premier will have to start to unfold and unpack it, especially around ending hallway medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh- but do you think that it's overkill the way the premier was talking about it yesterday? And, and what would the result? Is that just, you know, throwing throwing stuff out to his base? I mean, what's the purpose of that? So every new government comes in and says, oh, my gosh, it's all worse than we thought. Now, when you back that up with you know Ernst & Young and other accountants, that's always the way. Uh, if you look back to what... Um, Uh, Rob Ford did when he became mayor of the city of Toronto. They hired KPMG to do an overview and a real deep dive into what should government be involved in? How does that look? Are they they spending those dollars appropriately? What we have uh, this morning released uh, from ENY and and, uh, the Treasury Board was a review. It wasn't an audit. They didn't have time to dive deep into this. It was looking at what was publicly available. There wasn't really a sense of, is this the efficiency? So the, the new government got what they were looking for. They got the number they were looking for. And now they're going to use that as a conversation and a mandate to to make some modernization, which is always code for we're going to reconfigure how government is done. Okay. Uh, so still, uh, Jason, do you see any anything that could you know, add up to malfeasance, you know, that they want to modernize services, they want to find more cost efficient ways of, in, of administering government, you know, sounds like a good yeah. plan. But you know, where, where, the, I, I guess I was expecting something that looked more like an Auditor General's report, you know, right. with the boondoggle, the bridge that goes to nowhere built by the brother-in-law of, of the person <laughs> yeah. who handed out the contract. <laughs> and that certainly wasn't there. Yeah, no, I, I listen, as, as um, we talked about, this is a sort of a line-by-line report. It's interesting, you know, there, there's a lot of nervous liberals, and uh, over the last couple of days, they've been sort of looking at each other and thinking, oh man, are we really going to get called in front of a legislative committee, for example, to, to talk about this. Um, and, as a, and, not to interrupt, but uh, just as an aside, I, we are going to be talking to the NDP finance critic. We're going to be talking to Mike Schreiner. We, we can't get a liberal to talk to us. And <laughs> I mean, I know there's only six of them. They have lunch dates, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, this yeah. is not the kind of thing that they want to be talking about. I, I think we listen. I, I think you're right. Listen, this is a this is an exercise that I think we all know. And the one thing I will say, I, one thing I, I will say is, even though um, the auditor 
Reuter said that it was a $12 billion deficit or something like that beforehand. That's not what the liberals said at all. They said something quite different. 6.7. You know, we asked about the premier's rhetoric yesterday. And I, I, the truth is, yeah, they said $6 billion. It's 15 I mean, that's a pretty big difference to go into the campaign saying. And, and remember, just before the end of the campaign, the finance minister was actually, or before the beginning of the campaign, the prime finance minister stood there and said, we're roughly in balance. We're roughly in balance this year. And that was just not true at all. So, um, you know, they, they did change their, I think, I think we make a, the, the big point here is we paid all this money. We've got all these deficits, $15 billion, $300 billion in debt, and the services that people expect. And this is whether you're a conservative, a progressive, a liberal, it doesn't really matter. You're disappointed in what you're getting. I think especially in healthcare. I think, you know, we're dumping all this money in LINs and other things. We've got people, uh, you know, have paid taxes their whole life that are in hallway medicine. And I think, I, you know, that's the thing. The liberals mismanaged this for 15 years. They spent all this money and what did we get for it? So we it's got time a for whole other level of administration. <laughs> you know, it, it, it is interesting where uh, they talk a lot about keeping up with population growth. But the reality is that as we have a more aging population, it is more and more expensive to run some of those services. And also that there haven't been the investments by governments across the political spectrum for uh, decades in some of these in big infrastructure pieces uh, that need that need to occur. You know, every every government comes in and gasps the, the state of what they were left. This will allow the premier for the next several months to go back and say, but we had these audited results. This isn't just political rhetoric, quote unquote, but it really is the way. I'm not surprised when I started to see some of the conversations coming out of the Liberal caucus of, well, why aren't we on this committee? I'm sorry, but first of all, there is a bit of, you know, official opposition and officially recognized opposition party. And I we have all been in the political wilderness. So that isn't really just a cheap shot at my liberal friends. But it's also how would the premier go in and be on a committee that is investigating the activities of her government? <laughs> the it's, defendants don't get to be the judges. Right. It's, it's a bit of, you know, well, it's fun to be judge, jury and executioner on a lot of things. I'm not sure that she would she or a number of the ministers could be uh, rational actors in this conversation. Not that I expect this entire committee to be a bunch of rational actors, but it does stretch credibility just a bit too far. And, but do you think that committee is a good idea? I think all of these things, I think people have a right to know how governments spend their money. I think that what we have always seen is that, well, governments are taking this, there are these big bloated bureaucracies. If they're not bloated bureaucracies, and there are a lot of people in government, there are a lot of government programs that do an an incredible amount of work to actually increase people's livelihoods, then we should be able to say that and celebrate those things. If there are things that need to be upgraded, like everybody is going to say, yes, we should be doing RFPs online. Yeah. So make some of those comments and make some of those changes, as opposed to every three years having some new auditor write some new report about how we could save if we only went uh, and changed all of the RFP requirements to digital or in-house procurement. Yeah, we know all of those. Get on with it. You know, and everybody ordering the letter letterhead together. Now, one of the <laughs> things that they did mention today, and I'm, I'm very interested in what our callers have to say about this. They talked about means testing, yeah. yes. which means, uh, as at least selectively, we don't know if they're looking at everything. You're not going to get a service unless uh, somebody else in the government decides you can't afford it. Is that a good idea? Does that worry people? 
And, you know, with means testing also comes, you know, you, you have to show people your tax returns and, and all of that. So callers, I'm going to give you the numbers again, because I, I, I know there, there hasn't been anything that specific today, but what do you think of this idea of means testing for some programs? The numbers are 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And uh, the example that the Treasury Board president used uh, was, uh, what do they call it, OHIP Plus, where uh, they decided to cover uh, children, young adults, under 24 for free pharmacare drugs, which I've done a lot of work on pharmacare, and everybody who knows anything about pharmacare thought that was the stupidest way to proceed with it, because most of those children are covered, and guess what? They don't get sick that much, though there are obviously some. So they they abolished that and only left it for people who aren't covered elsewhere. I didn't hear any hue and cry about that. You know, when we start to talk about things like means testing, it does concern me uh, because when you're looking at here's a here is a line, uh, a number of if you make X amount, you're rich. Now, that doesn't take a lot of things, other uh, things into consideration. And that was part of the move from on for example, OSAP, where people were making a fair amount, but not making enough to really send their children off to school. So I think there are some things that we need to look at. When we start to talk about healthcare services, I particularly get worried. I look at some friends of mine who they or their children have some pretty significant medical expenditures. Well, they, yes, make a decent living wage. Uh, some of them are unionized. Part of that then becomes if they need to start paying $2,000, $3,000, $5,000, for uh, chemo drugs or colitis drugs, whatever the drug happens to be, what does that start to look like? And how do we then start to get into a slippery slope of only these types of people, these amounts of monies can, you know, can be, it can be. And I, I think when we start Ontarians, well, they all start to think maybe we should do these things when they worry about the big global number of government. When they start to talk about what does this mean for me and my family and my friends and my community, that's when people get worried. And I think right, rightly so. So I well, would proceed with caution. Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to point out that that already exists. Because even when you talk about pharmacare or you talk about uh, the program that covers people over 65, there's a formulary that it covers. And, and um, when you're talking about cancer drugs, for instance, I mean, there's this craziness where a chemotherapy drug that is uh, that is administered intravenously in the hospital is covered. Okay. If you've got a pill, and there are more and more drugs that come in pill form, and it's frankly a lot easier to take them in pill form, that's not covered. Yeah. Yeah, and people worry about what does this look like. I mean, I went through this with my with my own mother. Thankfully, she uh, she had uh, Trillium benefits because uh, otherwise, the very expensive uh, drugs that she was prescribed uh, in hospital, we we wouldn't have been able to afford she, that. She she had to uh, you know send in her tax returns to get those Trillium benefits, and if somebody decided that she made a little too much money, and I think if we start yeah. to look at some of the big. Uh, big issues, you know, we don't want to see returns to things like tuberculosis, things that are preventable things that if people aren't being treated properly because they're worried about not being able to financially uh, do that, 
I, I, we get to we get to some problems. I mean, during the provincial election, Andrea Horvath got a lot of traction for her dental care program. People were quite excited about being able to take their kids to get their their cavities filled instead of having to worry about how how am I going to feed those kids versus uh, get the, those cavities filled. So oral health. Global health, I think it is part of what we need to start being a better community-minded citizens about how we manage these things. Uh, I think we should talk, <clears throat> you know, means testing. Okay, I, I hear what you're saying. Part of the NDP and liberal campaigns all the time is means testing, by the way. Part of it is always the rich need to pay more. Uh, they shouldn't get some of the stuff that uh, that is uh, that is uh, the, the, the services they can afford to pay on their own. We need to direct services towards those who actually need it. Justin Trudeau literally ran his entire tw- entire 2015 campaign on this. The rich can pay more. We need to redirect services to the middle class and those that actually need it. So we can argue about where the lines are and that kind of stuff. But Justin Trudeau, for example, literally spent months talking about the fact that childcare services should not be funded for those who are quote rich. And I think they define at somewhere between, they had a family income, uh, whatever it was. But he basically said, um, families like mine and Stephen Harper's shouldn't get uh, childcare services. The and child fam- benefit. The I child benefit. The child yeah. benefit. Or and he canceled. Families by the way. like his uh, probably shouldn't. No, but the, but at some point yeah. there is a line. That's yeah. the point. And he put, he made the line. I think it was at uh, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars family income or something like that. But anyway, the point is, means testing is something that happens all the time. And it's going to be interesting to see the response of people who supported means testing under Justin Trudeau and don't support it under. Doug Ford. Do, or do you expect that we are going to see more of this? Well, I mean, I, I think we, we saw it in OHIP Plus. I think you, you gave a perfect, perfect example, Libby. As you know, about 90% of people are actually... I've got, I've got clients in this space, I should say that, uh, 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 it, before uh, we even talk any further. But I think you made the points on pharmacare. 90% of people, roughly, are covered anyway. Why are we focusing on covering 100%, why don't we just cover the 10% that aren't? That's the way that the Ontario government went. And to your point, no hue and cry. I think it makes common sense to most people is cover the people that actually really need it so we don't, uh, we don't, uh, you know, we don't waste money covering on the ones that don't. I think there's a big difference, Jason, between asking people, as the New Democrats frequently uh, do, ask them those who are able to, to pay a little bit more into the global system so that we can, as a society, be better off. That is a very different thing than means testing and being That's in, yeah. In that's raising taxes. <laughs> that's Which raising, is a kind of means taxing, yeah. guys. It really is. Uh, I mean, that's raising taxes for whatever you define as people who are wealthy. Anyway, we have to take a quick break now. Everybody hang on. We'll be taking your calls. We'll also be talking to some people from the opposition benches. Talk about uh, their take on this when we return. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We have been talking about the government's release of the line-by-line audit. Very different in tone from yesterday when Doug Ford accused the previous government of the worst cover-up in history. This is very accounting-like, uh, talks about spending outpacing growth. And uh, I am here with Kim Wright and Jason Leader, and we are going to bring in Sandy Shaw, who is the NDP finance critic. Hello, Sandy. Thank you for joining us. How are you? Thanks Fine. for having me. What is your take on what you saw today? 
Well, what I see today is, uh, you know, it, you, it, the tone has changed, but the substance hasn't really. You know, we're, we're hearing a government that is talking about a deficit, but they're not talking about what this is going to mean. I mean, they've been signal, signaling since they uh, took office that we're going to see uh, efficiencies, which we take to mean cuts. They, we had the Minister of Health speaking to the Hospital Association, talking about how the hospitals are going to have to find more efficient ways of doing uh, doing business. You know, we have a lot of concerns, and people are concerned. Does this, the results of both the line-by-line audit um, and, and this committee that they're setting up, is this just a way for them to set us up for, you know, cuts, uh, for privatization? And there's a lot of questions that we have, and we're not getting a lot of answers about the things that really are most concerning to, to all of us. Do you believe them? Their headline is, uh, this is not a blueprint for cuts, a blueprint for the path forward. Do you believe that? The, you know, uh, the, headlines, the headline sounds nice, but, you know, the questions that we have been asking uh, of the ministers and of the premier, the question I asked this morning, of uh, the, uh, the, you know, the, the president of the Treasury Board, we're, we're not getting answers. And so it's hard to believe them when they are not signaling or giving clear answers as to how they are going to protect the things that matter most to us. I mean, we, we've been what, hearing what about... What question yeah? did you have that was not answered? Well, my question specifically uh, with these questions is how... how and when are they going to address the, the, the issues uh, that face people right now? We have talk about the hydro, for example. You know, people are really concerned about their hydro bill and how are they going to reduce that hydro bill. They are keeping in place the, the liberal borrowing scheme, as they call it. They're not touching that at all. They're not moving to privatize hydro. So, you know, here are some answers. How are they going to be reducing the hydro bills that people are most concerned about? We don't have any answers on that. Uh, are you worried about job cuts? You know, we're certainly, everyone is worried at this point about job cuts. I mean, we, we're, we're hearing some ominous signals coming from the South in terms of our, our trade talks, you know, some of some economic numbers that aren't really promising. So people are concerned about their jobs. And certainly with this government, you know, it's like we've seen this movie before. We've seen this playbook where when they talk about efficiencies, when they talk about cuts, and privatization. Uh, even, you know, uh, Mr. Fidelli said that everyone has a moral obligation, which I thought was an odd turn of phrase, to, to find a, a way to save some money. My feeling is if I were in the public sector, you know, if I were a teacher, if I were a paramedic, a firefighter, I'd be kind of concerned about my job. And uh, what about the uh, striking of that select committee yesterday? Does it uh, make sense to you? Does it smack of a witch hunt a little bit? Well, the language they use certainly smacks of a witch hunt. I mean, I have, can't believe some of the language that they talked about, you know, saying that people were lying and cooking the books. And, you know, I would put it out there that if that is the case, you know, this government should be considering calling the OPP because what they're talking about is a kind of what sounds like criminal activity. So that, you know, that's one piece. But moving to this committee, if this government is truly uh, transparent and truly intends to make sure that what the decisions we make are in the best interests of all Ontarians, then they would release some of the, the, the numbers, more detail than what they've done so far. And the other thing that I would say is that it's time for them to move past this grudge with the Liberals. You know, the, the, the deficit that we know now is not a real surprise to anyone. You know, the NDP fought hard to make it clear that we did not like the, the way that the uh, Liberals were handling their finances. The Auditor General has said it. So in so many ways, this is not new information. Maybe the number has changed, but the, the, this is not new information. But if this government is truly wants to be transparent and truly wants to improve things for Ontarians, they would be more forthcoming with the, with the answers about what it is exactly...
they intend to do. We kind of have the what. We know the numbers now, but now we need to know the how and the why, what they're going to do moving forward. Okay. Sandy Shaw, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks very much for having me. Okay. Have a Uh, great day. Thank you. You too. Uh, Let's go to John in Brampton. Hi, John. Hi, Libby. Thanks for taking my call. You're very welcome. Um, I I kind of agree with the uh, NDP critic. Um, We should just have kept going exactly the way we were. That way, nobody would have to worry. Um, I I don't know how long it would take for us to be five broke, but maybe we're almost there now. Uh, The the politics of bringing out the bogeyman... uh, you know, if I've I've supported Ford, but if, if I find he cuts milk and and pablum to orphanages uh, and refuses to fund hospitals, you know what? I'm not going to support him anymore. But if he looks at the reality of the situation, that they've been burning through money, like they don't know where it's going, but they just know it has to go. Um, on Sunday, I drove through a uh, um, little town up north of, of uh, Orange Hill, Dundalk, and I think there was about a 12 or 14 mile stretch of wind turbines. I don't know how much each of these cost. I'd estimate probably 12 to 15, maybe $20,000 each. Uh, the, the oddity about that was none of these turbines are turning. Uh, and I spoke with the locals. John, I'm me- sorry. John, uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to uh, hold it there because uh, we have something very time-sensitive holding. But okay. uh, I, I hear you, and thanks for your call. All right. Thanks for taking it. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, right now, uh, we are going to Mike Schreiner, who is the head of the Green Party. Hello, Mike. Hi, Libby. How are you today? Fine. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Okay, so what what uh, what is your take on what we've seen over the last two days? Well, first of all, I'm not surprised by the size of the liberal deficit that they've left behind. Uh, the Green Party was the only party that, uh, in the last election, used the Auditor General and the Financial Accountability Officer numbers in our costing of our platform. And we showed a way that the province can get back the balance uh, without gutting uh, funding for public services. And it's a, it has to be a balanced approach. We have to look for savings, things like canceling the Liberals' unfair hydro plan, which is the big budget buster, uh, but also looking at ways to raise additional revenue. So, for example, uh, Ontario is essentially giving away our natural resources with the lowest rate of return on natural resource um, wealth of any province in Canada. So if we would... You know, up those up to let's say the level of Saskatchewan, we could we could raise additional revenue. So I think you know our approach is let's look at ways to save money and deliver services better, and let's look at ways to raise additional revenue because we want to get back to balance without gutting um, good public services that people depend on. And are you worried that that's what's going to happen? Well, I am worried about that primarily because, you know, I, I haven't had a chance to read through the whole report yet, obviously, because it just came out this morning. But uh, most of what we've seen out of the government is only focusing on the spending side of things. Uh, little talk of, you know, where are some ways to raise additional revenue. And to this point, the government um, has indicated that, that they are not uh, looking at uh, ending the unfair hydro plan, which is the one that the financial accountability officer said that um, could cost anywhere between 40 and $90 billion. Uh, so that's the one that's really, really pushed the budget over the top. And so the Green Party's been saying, you know, hey, we can save money by eliminating that program 
And we can also raise additional revenue because we want to make sure that we don't see cutbacks in healthcare and education and social services and transit funding and things like that that people depend on every day. Okay. Uh, Jason, um, a response to that? And, and what do you think of Sandy Shaw's comment that really this government should move on from, you know, their, their, their grudge match with the liberals? They, you know, I'm just the, they beat them already. They beat the heck out of well, them. Well, Mike sounds really sensible. I, uh, uh, Mike, I really appreciate some of your comments there. I think uh, some fair comments. Uh, Sandy, I listen, I, I get where, where Sandy's coming from, but I got to tell you, they, sometimes the NDP doesn't always do what's in their own best interest. They should be trying to bury the as well, if they were uh, smart about their electoral fortunes going Some forward. Some people would say they're already buried. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, they've, they've been pretty resilient over the time. But I will say this, like the, the one thing about the NDP comments, the NDP went into that last campaign and the only problem that they saw with the Liberals was that they weren't spending enough money. And and the, the problem, Mr. Mr. Ford, uh, you know, had a completely different approach. So they're completely on different sides of the issue. I think there's some fair comments from both Mike and from uh, the NDP critic as well about how to, how to, how to smoothly get back and toward balance, and I think uh, I, you know, I think Mr. Ford will listen to some of that stuff. And I think uh, the one thing that I do like is rather than sort of hack and slash and go at it with no plan, the the line by line audit I think does give them a bit of a blueprint to where there can be some savings found and and minimal sort of um, uh, impact on on people out there. Kim, was that a fair comment that uh, the NDP the only thing they didn't like about the Liberals was that they didn't spend enough money? No, I think that's a, that is a very partisan and usual characterization. But look, they, we had some fundamental differences with how some programs were being run. We had some fundamental differences on how government was going to be run. And, you know, taking off my consultancy hat where, you know, we do a lot of work with the uh, provincial government, everyone really does have good good intentions coming into a new government. We all want them to succeed, whether uh, from a partisan perspective, putting those uh, swords off to the side, but from a community-based perspective, how do we move forward as Ontarians? We want to see that. Uh, what is concerning is when we talk about things like efficiencies, you know, yes, there are always going to be some efficiencies, but what does efficiencies become code for? Does it become code for cuts? Oftentimes it does with governments, and uh, that that's concerning of where those cuts may come. Ultimately, people want to see their communities enhanced, uh, that there is accountability, and uh, and that they can get the services that they need in Ontario. Mike Schreiner, did you get a sense from today? I mean, yesterday it sounded like they were going to find criminal activity. Yeah, it was nice to see the government tone down that rhetoric uh, today. Uh, I thought they were. I thought the conservatives were way over the top yesterday. Uh, and you know what? It's important to look back. And you know, the government now has spent the last few months looking back, but now it's time to look forward. The campaign is over. It's time to govern. And instead of continuing to you know put additional nails in the liberal coffin. We have to start looking at how do we move this province forward? How do we continue to invest in our communities and good public services while at the same time getting us back to balance? And that's exactly what the Green Party is talking about. That's why we're talking specifics about ways to save money and ways to raise additional revenue that doesn't hit people with modest incomes in their pocketbook. Okay, let's hear from Michael in Pickering. Hello, Michael. Hi, Libby. Uh, Libby, I'd like to say one thing first. I don't smoke or drink, but I'm addicted to your show. Oh, and, and <laughs> we like that addiction. And I put the jacket on me, I'm going to send you the bill, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, and, no, I've been listening to your show, uh, you know, since 12 o'clock. 
and um, uh, I got a I got a problem, not a problem, but the NDP. I mean, they're frustrated uh, organization. They're never going to be anybody. They're never going to get anywhere. The last guy that got in was Bob Ray, and look what happened to him. They're uh, and, they're they're um, the official opposition. Uh, I yeah, think that's but, pretty good game. Do the math. I mean, they're never going to be anything. Right. I, I, Ford's doing a good job. I went and put gas in my truck the other day, and it was a dollar nineteen. Um, I think it's cheaper at Costco if you got that card you pay fifty bucks a year for. He said gas was going to go down, and it did. He said he was going to get rid of the hydro people, and he did with a big ten million dollar a year salary. Look, uh, part of the I reason gas be- went down is that they switched from the summer blend to the winter blend. Okay, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> summer winter, it still went down. Like, like, if you go and look at all of the, pol- the politicians and, and they say this and they say that, I mean, we had 14 years of just who knows where all that money went. And I got a real problem. I spoke to you two weeks ago when the deficit was $12 billion, And the next thing I hear, the Auditor General says it's $16 billion. It was Doug Ford said it was 15. Like, 15. let me tell you something, Libby. If I did anything bad, I was gonna, I'm going to get prosecuted for it. If I don't pay my taxes, I'm going to get prosecuted. These people do it with impunity. This win lady, well, I don't know if she's a lady or not, but um, it's, how do they get away with it? Well, um, uh, what, 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 what can I say? You know, uh, a lot of people think they did what they think was right, and uh, well, they were voted out. But uh, I, I think I understand your anger, Michael. Thanks for your call. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, uh, obviously, that is out there, this anger at the previous government. is They won't let it go. Uh, we're running out of time on this. Uh, Jason Leader had to go. Uh, Mike Schreiner, what would you like to leave us with? Well, you know what? I understand people's anger and frustration because they want to make sure their hard-earned tax dollars are spent well. But the bottom line now is, is how do we move forward? And uh, so I think this government is wasting time and energy if they're going to keep looking in the rearview mirror rather than looking forward and putting plans on the table about how we get back to a balanced budget without gutting public services. And so that's what I'm looking for out of this government. And we haven't seen that yet. Okay. And Kim? I think yet is the key word. Uh, The pace that uh, this premier and the new government have moved, uh, well, a bit uh, shocking to some, having uh, two, I guess now, uh, legislative sittings post-election. I think it's it's they need to reset the table for their own government and then be held account to what they are going to do uh, with this in, with this information. And I think though there's a lot of stay tuned. What does this look like? What what will this actually mean for uh, people in their real lives and in their daily lives? Uh, well, I am a big fan of reading accounting documents. What will, will ultimately come down to you in four years' time? And never forget, all of this is political. Uh, but what it will come down to for people in the next four years are, is their life better off then than it was today? And that's what he's going to be judged on. And there are a whole lot of metrics for that. Uh, but we're, we're uh, waiting to see what comes next. Okay. Thank you so much, Kim Wright and Mike Schreiner. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.